in my head those little gates that are supposed to, you know, scan the product that you shop with or whatever are like transformers and they turn into the bad robot from the original Robocop and they just <laughs> freeze this is code 1445 violation of sector 5 product enhancement freeze or you will be shot that's awesome <laughs> also i used to think everything would turn into that robot so maybe that was a that was a more of a me thing than a shoplifting thing here we are speaking to the kids again talking about robocop <laughs> remember remember original robocop kids you oh. you guys in your 20s remember that movie right right yeah yeah when was that had to be mid 80s, right? I'm guessing 87, Late, 1987. Oh, yeah. No, that's one of my favorite. That's a, that's another that's favorite of mine. Peter Weller and oh gosh. Um what was his name? Kurtwood Smith, obviously. Uh, yeah. Kurt, Kurtwood. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. Miguel Ferrer played uh, oh. Bob Morton, the up and coming Bob Morton. The um the the woman in that was kind of she was a little rough. Which one? Nancy Allen? Hey, yeah, the the whoa, one with whoa, the the, the blonde curly hair. Yeah. She was she was a little yeah, tough. No, little tough. no, 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 no. Do not do not slander the amazing Nancy L. <laughs> what about Ronnie Cox as Dick Jones? Remember Dick Jones? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's a phenomenal movie. I mean, again, I, the the millennials right now are loving this. Oh, who the doesn't Nancy love some Ronnie Cox discussion? Nancy Allen was one of my first big crushes. What? From nineteen, from the movie 1941, 1979, <laughs> John Belushi. Yeah. Typical movie. Steven Spielberg. Yep. It was, uh, it was awful and it bombed, but she was hot. And uh, it was too. the perfect age for me to appreciate. You were being serious. I thought you were being facetious about Nancy Allen. You no, actually no, no, have. Totally. You got a soft I spot. A, I had a Nancy. I had a little Nancy. I had, didn't have a soft spot. Mm. I had a similar <laughs> soft spot to an actress who kind of looks like her a little bit. As, um, I, was, I was really into Courtney Thorne Smith mm. when she Ooh. was. In in uh, summer school, the Mark Harmon vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's she's also in Melrose Place, and for some reason, I, I found her to have that that girl next door vibe. Not too similar, just similar for Nancy Ellen. Here's one that over time did not. Mm. Cheers, era Kirsty Alley. That was one of my earliest ones. <laughs> which I, which right. that was the thing. Cheers, era Kirsty Alley was like, yeah, no, I see it. And then, well. Yeah, v- Veronica's closet, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, what can you do? Right. Life's <laughs> life's hard sometimes. Yeah, stuff happens, man. Stuff things man. happen. Uh, things happen. Um, not a lot of things are happening for Los Angeles Rams fans. It's uh, Tertia Radio. What are we at? Is this actually episode fifty-one? Is that accurate? Or was this at fifty-two? Well, I mean, I, I made a cake that has fifty-one written on it. So do I have to throw away this? Celebratory cake. Do you make a celebratory cake for every podcast? I do. Is that weird? No. <laughs> it would okay. be it would be weird if you didn't. Is is that part of the Augie and Daddy show? You've <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we just we just eat the episode cake. Well, no, uh this will be episode fifty two. Um it's your boy, Joe at three K underscore Robo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. Hello, Robert. Hello, sir. Joseph O dot coin. This- L.A. Rams, Rams, is this Rams. Episode? Is this the is, is episode? Is this a gentleman episode? Is no, this the no, we're sa- no, 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 we're saving that. That's to come. Uh, uh, that's a that's a spoiler. Give, you have to be a Patreon subscriber that's to right. get the. <laughs> you have to subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> the old English version. <laughs> um, 
No, I want to save that until after the draft when we get into the the, the depths of the darkness that is post draft offseason. Oh, oh, you want you want like post mini camp before it's, training camp. Like we have that six yeah. weeks of doom. That's when true gentlemen listen to podcasts. Joey, what's our intel report on the city of Los Angeles for this week? What do we need to know? Well, um, there might be uh, there might be floodings. We might we I've might heard. lose. Um, we might, it might be a massive storm. The LA Times had an article um, yesterday about how there could be this this crazy three week long storm that could flood uh, some parts of. Uh, the San Fernando Valley, but they're talking about um, like Norwalk and areas like that could be completely submerged that you could, you know, like a million people could be affected. Um, and so it's pretty crazy because Southern California, especially Los Angeles County is like not built to withstand massive amounts of water. That's, that's one thing we don't, we don't worry about too much. And uh, I think we're about to get a lot. One of the things I liked about the uh, three-week rainstorm article is that and th- this is one of those things, and obviously with climate change, I think we're going to see it continue. Is every, most of the biggest cities in the country have these like uh, worst-case scenario natural disasters where you know LA is worried about earthquakes and three-week rainstorm, and Dallas is worried about tornadoes, and I'm sure I'm sure there's something that a tsunami that could hit Seattle, and New York is no, no, worried, snow. Oh man, you might get snowmageddon. Snow. Miami. We might could, get two inches of snow. You get hurricanes in the southeast, and everybody's got these. I, I'm kind of hoping, like, uh, over the next 10 years, people start getting desperate, and, like, cities in the interior start coming w- up with their own, like, fake natural disasters. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen in Kansas City, Missouri? Oh, you you never know when you get that big wind storm coming in, just a pushing things around. We could get that three-week windstorm. Well, Joe, I don't know if you uh, if you read the news, but if you aren't scared, you're not paying attention because they want to just scare you every day. What's the, and uh, it's awesome. What's the, what's the worst thing that could happen in in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina? Oh, we could get them trees. You ever heard about a tree falling? Oh, you get hundreds of trees <laughs> just a falling all over. Looks like a Lincoln log cabin laying on top of you. <laughs> What, what is the worst thing that happened to Ch- Charlotte? A hurricane comes through. By the time it hits them, it's like a tropical depression, right? I mean, it's not going to be an actual hurricane in Charlotte. So they have some wind that, and some rain. Is that is that truly the worst thing that Charlotte can you, ever have? You ever heard of a the old Carolina pollen bomb? Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> do they get locusts? Can you have the places still have locusts? Oh no, <laughs> expect locusts. Maybe that's, yeah. that's what they can get. Or Kansas, maybe can get locusts. Open, oh, you know, open up your imagination, and you'll find a way that, that a bunch of so people can you, die. You did two tours in Iraq. What was the weather report like? The bad, like was it you know ninety five with a chance of of, of sand and nah, when and we were flies? when we were in Iraq, we were worried about Pittsburgh, the great magnetizing with all that steel. If you send a big mag, if you send a big <laughs> magnetic field through Pittsburgh, they're screwed. <laughs> that's true man too soon hashtag the great the great magnetizing of 24 that sounds like a plot of like fast and the furious <laughs> or something if we drive this magnet through pittsburgh at 80 miles an hour we just might be able to get 100 million dollars <laughs> i'll uh i'll watch that movie i would too i would absolutely watch. i bet it'd be really good hey did uh 
did 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 a Rams running back say something today that made the internet raise their eyebrow a bit? Mm-hmm. Anything happened today? I I, I was out. Yes. So I, I ca- John Kelly sure says he puts it. ketchup on his peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and it caused quite John a ruckus. Patrick Mahomes uh, liked that tweet, by the way. Real quick, before we, we jump in. That was in not there, true, by the way. I don't want people back. hearing this uh, and being like, what the heck? Oh, John no. Kelly, get the hell <laughs> off my John team. John Kelly and his ketchup. Miles you, you, is all you know, pissed off. John Kelly is not team mustard. <laughs> before we jump into all this running back stuff, I, I, I want to just get clear of the idea. Like, I think I saw it thrown in an article today when they were talking about C.J. Anderson. And uh, in the, even in, in Joe's article a couple days ago talking about C.J. That the idea that um, John Kelly is is like not ready to play, and that's why CGA was brought in. My question is, where does Justin Davis fit in all of this? Is is he just pretty he, much cut? Yeah. Is he like not a factor with this team? I, Justin like Davis will play with Sean Mannion uh, on the San Diego Admiral AAF team next year. The fleet, Robo, show some respect. God damn it. Christ. Um, no, Justin Davis is on the outside looking, and that's just the way it is. He's the, the here, here's what I'd say. Here's how I'd put it Justin Davis has the lowest odds of making it onto this team next year out of the entire crop. And that's without the possibility that we add a name or two uh, over this offseason, whether it's late in the draft or UDFAs going into training camp. Okay, great. So let's go back to, to CJ Anderson because we could talk about his contract, but first we got to talk about the big thing, which he said in an interview today about uh, Todd Gurley. Yeah, CJ Anderson was on Indisputed, Undisputed, the uh, Fox Sports show with Skip Bayless and occasionally Shannon Sharp, Eric Dickerson. And uh, Skip Bayless, only it was a shorter interview. It, it's interesting because another part of Skip Bayless that I don't think people realize is that he sucks. And, you know, when you really look at that, he just sucks so much. And that every day he goes into work and he sits down and he finds a way to suck even more. And uh, it's a testament to, to his work he ethic. He works hard. Because he does a really good job. At part of it is the intention horrorism, but part of it is doing enough, enough work that, that you can say that the work justifies the vapidity of the opinion. So it, it's kind of like, remember when Stephen A. did the thing about uh, the Chargers and he was like, yeah, Hunter Henry could be good this week. And everybody was like mad that, it, and he talked about a couple guys that were hurt, not even on the team. And everybody was upset saying like, why, why didn't you do your homework? And, sure. you know, it would have taken 30 seconds for you to learn that these guys aren't on the team, which is, which exposes the whole fallacy. Why would you listen to anybody that only spends 30 seconds to learn what they're talking about? That's, it's such a weird a construct that, oh, I want to listen to somebody who has 30 seconds of expertise on the subject matter. But that's literally what people do. They want to hear guys entertain them based on 30 seconds of research. It's a very, very perverse uh, industry. But it works like that. It really does. Yeah. My wife uh-huh. gets 30 seconds yeah. of entertainment. So. Um, so, yes. And Hey, da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, we'll CJ Anderson was week. on. Um, talked right. about uh, the Skip asked him about the idea that Anderson might have been the 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 better back down the stretch, and he he deflected from that. He says it's Todd's team. It's still Todd's team, no matter what happens. Even if I come back, I earned playing time. I learned in this league being seven years in, you can earn opportunity, and I believe I earned opportunity. Dot 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 dot. I mean, obviously, I'm not going 80 yards anytime soon. That's fine with me. But hopefully, we keep Todd fresh so he can go. And so he just. 
pointed out the idea that no, no matter how things ended, it was Todd's team. The bigger quotes came when Skip Bayless asked them about Todd Gurley's knee and the injury. And Skip Bayless asked him, how hurt was Todd when you got there? And CJ Anderson said, more hurt than what we thought. The injury was a little bit more than what everybody, everybody thought, including himself. Skip Bayless asked him, what would you call it, a sprained knee? And CJ Anderson said, you know, he would never really tell me. It was tough. I would say a sprained knee. Obviously, it's the same knee injury he's had before in his career. So obviously, I had surgery on my meniscus. And once you have a knee, you always have a knee. So it aggregates. And if he was getting a lot of touches earlier in the year, obviously him being one of the best running backs, that was probably the case. So just the quote saying the injury was a little bit more than what everybody thought, including himself, kind of took off. And that's the difficult part because we just never got a good answer from the Rams from Sean McVay from Todd Gurley about his status. Uh, it's one of those things we, we get a chance maybe at the combine coming up starting next week uh, to get a sense of maybe what happened. Maybe the media presses McVay into a degree less need to try to get an injury, but I don't know that we're going to get much out of uh, them given the fact that they haven't given us the answers by this point. Well, you know, a question I have just about knee injuries and and what's going on with Todd Gurley's knee is that it feels like they could be caught in a situation where the knee is sound, that you can go to a doctor and they could say, hey, structurally, the knee is okay, and he could play. But when he actually gets out on the grass, he can't accelerate like he used to, and he's losing a bit of his quickness and effectiveness as a running back. So in one way, that's what you would expect, but... It didn't seem like we were getting that product on the field that, you know, when he would play, I mean, there were a couple of plays where you kind of ran out of gas, but he still was was putting up numbers. I think the questions that fans are asking isn't really why is he playing poorly, except for the drops, but just as like a running back, it was it was it was more about why isn't he playing more. Four carries in the NFC championship, three carries in the first half of the Super Bowl. That's just not. That's not normal. Because you, you you have to wonder, well, what would he be playing like with 20 touches? Would it be that he would get, you'd get hurt because his knee was just being strung together by a couple of Band-Aids and some string? Or was his knee okay? He just wasn't that good. And McVeigh and the coaching staff was like, well, he's not going to be that good. So let's just put him out there as a decoy and Which don't really try to yeah. depend on him too much. That seems it, to it, be it does, a little more the company line. There's just line, so little logic to it, especially right. because the Rams we, – we know how good Todd Gurley is. The Rams made him the highest paid running back in the entire NFL. The idea that he's having a bad game, you don't just suddenly go to the backup because you know who else had a bad game in the Super Bowl, Joey? Uh, yeah, my boy. Yeah, Jared Goff. Oh, my boy. Yeah. Goff. You, you know what they, you know what they didn't Mc, do? Sean McVay. They didn't, they didn't, yeah, they didn't just bench him. You don't just bench your best players because they're not playing well. You figure out a way to get them more involved and to give them better situations. You don't just bench them because CJ Anderson's there. That doesn't make that doesn't make any sense. And th- th- there's not there's not a good explanation for it other other than either he was hurt or there was some kind of disciplinary issue. And that seems even more far fetched. Um, 
the the idea that it was a game plan issue that either CJ Anderson was more applicable to their system or Todd Gurley wasn't playing well. There's there's no reason you bench Todd Gurley. You can't you can't be that fickle with star players, especially those who have proven their capability on the field. There's no way that Andrew Whitworth has, you know, two bad series, the way that Todd Gurley had a drop early on that created that interception against the Saints, and you just decide, oh, well, we're going to bench Andrew Whitworth and go to Joe Noteboom. Let's just see what happens. There's there's no way that happens. No. Well, I I have a question about how they deal with this whole issue. And first of it is, question number one is, do you think the Rams actually know what the situation is with Todd Gurley's knee? Like, uh, do, do you think they're confident on what they have in him? Because it goes to question two, which is if they don't, is the whole CJ Anderson contract going to have to be put on the back burner until they know what's going on with Gurley? It's a good question. I don't, what do you, what do you think, Rob? Do you think they have a sense of, or, or, or do you, do you worry? Let me, let me put it like this. Do you worry given the way that CJ Anderson said it was worse than what they thought? Do you worry that Todd Gurley's knee may be less reliable long-term than, than what we might've thought three months ago before the Philadelphia Eagles game, before everything became public about the week one injury and, and to, to Joey's question, how that might affect their, their willingness to resign CJ Anderson. So, he came out and said that he hurt his knee in the opener against Oakland, correct? After week 15, correct. In December, yeah. after week 15, he, he's like, he said know, that he hurt his heart all week. year. Yeah. I, I, I had put up 21 touchdowns with a bad knee all year. It was exasperated in that game where, or he did the other knee. I'm not sure if it was the same knee or not. We just knew that he had an injury. He played through it all year. He put up 21 touchdowns, was talked about as an MVP guy, offensive player of the year right. guy. Until that point, he fell off. Where he either hurt it, hurt that same, that same injury became worse, or he had a, a second injury that made it worse. Maybe it's both knees at this point. I don't know. I, I don't know specifics if it was the same knee, if it's a different knee, if it's a, just a worse injury from what he did, what he was dealing with all year or whatever. But am I am I worried about his knee? Uh, no. Um, now I, that could be foolish. I could be you know laughed at, and that's fine. I'll take it. But, uh, you know, he, he had the ACL problem in college. He bounced back, was rookie of the year. He was uh, offensive player of the year last year, and, or two years ago. Last year, he had 21 touchdowns. He, oh, he's, he's been pretty good. And, yes, we've seen a lot of metrics where it was offensive line and, you know, everyone was successful. Malcolm Brown was good with the Rams. C.J. Anderson off his couch was good. Uh, Gurley was good. So, like, there could be some of that. And we'll find out this year if they have a lot of turnover, if everything falls off. Maybe it was all OAW. And Roger Saffold, but we'll see. But am I worried about it? No. Um, you know, they've been the healthiest team in the league the last two years. Everyone has injuries, but they really have been. And I think Reggie Scott does a very good job, and Ted Rath as well. But I think their staff is pretty darn good at what they do. Now, Reggie Scott. Uh, Reggie, right? Reggie Scott. It's going to be my new thing. <laughs> we'll start talking about injuries and Todd Gurley's knee instead of doing Reggie. John Kelly. I'm gonna be doing Reggie Scott. I mean, I think, does Reggie I think does Reggie Scott have just like completely alternative medicine? Is that why the Rams have been so healthy the last three years? Is everybody Mr. else Miyagi. is like cortisone yeah, and every, he comes in? Mr. Miyagi. I want you to put this stick of butter under your knee for the next five days. I'm sorry. <laughs> if it Here. does, if it works, <laughs> keep doing it. Get the crab boy Here. out. Put it on the knee. You'll be fine tomorrow. I mean, 
Here's he's a, a here's a cockroach. Talk. His name's Jeff. He's going to be your friend, and he's going to cure all of your illnesses. <laughs> whatever, Just whatever they've weird done, stuff. I hope they keep doing yeah. it because he's whatever been really takes. good. Uh, we we heard after the season that Gurley was not going to need surgery. It's just going to take care of itself. So I, I trust them until I no longer trust them. If that makes sense. Uh, okay, so, so much then... that, there's so much we can worry about. Uh, you know what? It's that stuff that's out of our control. They said that he doesn't need surgery. I'm going to believe that he oh nine months of rest, he'll be all right. He'll be good to go. Um, but oh, okay, well then let me ask uh, you a question real quick. Do you think that CJ Anderson is going to be on the the roster next season? Oh. I do not. Ooh, I do not, and that's for a different reason. Oh, which is? Uh, because the, the the reason Joe pointed out in his, his outstanding article today, or was it yesterday? Today, he, uh, he's, he's too you know, fat. If you have, he might eat Todd Gurley's knee, and we can't have that. You put that right. Reggie Scott butter on there, it starts Hold on, Reggie Scott. If you're no, giving no. him a stick of butter for the knee, you need to give me one for the tongue. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... If you have C.J. Anderson on the roster, it's it's no, like it's no longer Todd's team. It right. has to be because you're paying right. him to be Todd's team. I mean, you have a guy out there who's outperforming him, and it's like it's all the specter will always be there. It's too easy for Sean McVay to go. Well, Todd's not really feeling it. Let's get C.J. in there, and and we'll just go away from Todd. You're paying that guy that kind of money. He's he the highest paid running back in the, the NFL in the league. In the league, it's not even close. Lev Bell sat an entire year not making the money that Todd Gurley. Um, you All have right. to. You convince me. Let's. You can't. You can't. You can't have the guy out it. there who's going to be, you know, putting doubt in his mind or the what's, coach's mind. What's so the I old think Darren Rovell to the tweet? Browns. What's the Darren Rovell tweet? This is horrible for the country, but it's tremendous content. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great for us. It's great for Rams fans to have him back, but I don't think it's great for Todd Gurley and Sean McVay. So I think. You let CJ go get that job with the Arizona Cardinals yeah. or whoever right. the running back, right? I, I think my viewpoint of Todd Gurley in the offseason is just going to be we have to just put our faith in the fact that got him on this contract. He, he, you know, he could very well come back and be healthy and just needed some time for his knee to, to be okay. But yep. there's there's also the sense now where could be a ticking time bomb that where this this injury could be nagging and it could just be a thing now. I know Los Angeles fans with the Dodgers have uh, the contract of Darren Dreifert and Kevin Brown, where there's both with these five-year contracts, and they would get hurt all the time, just never could get on the field. And the team couldn't get better until these contracts expired. And I think football is a little bit better because you can you can you can just cut players. You know, yeah, the, the guaranteed money is a problem, but you know, not as significant as the prices that NBA teams have to play or even Major League Baseball. So w- with Todd Gurley, I just have to hope that um, he's he's going to be back, and this is just going to be a blip. But crap, you know, you're going to be scared every hit. You're going to be scared every single hit on that day. Yes, scared right. every. It's going to take the fun out of being a fan of him, you know, in one way, because you're almost like you're just you're te- you're gritting your teeth the the entire every, game. So every player is one hit away. Like I mean, Cooper Cup. Yeah, but Michael you know what though? Been, I, 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 I don't. Cooper, I don't think he, so. I don't think you know what you don't look at Tom we, Brady and do that. Him? Not no, every I'm, player I'm is the highest paid at their position no, with a previous ACL injury coming off of. 
I'm this saying narrative. if anyone yeah. has an injury and then you worry about them afterwards, I mean, that's, that's everyone in the league. Cooper Cup, Tom Brady tore his knee out. I mean, were Pat's fans going, well, you know, maybe it's time. Yeah, but then he yeah. came back. And I think right now we're back. looking at Todd Gurley so, as like a fra- – We're looking at Todd Gurley as like a Fabergé gig. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's going to be that. It's going to be waiting for waiting for Humpty Dumpty to break. Yeah. Until he shows that oh maybe he's not going to break right until he if he puts up another year where he's he's great and he's healthy and yeah. then that's like oh we'll we'll forget about it just like you yeah, kind of forgot about his college injury right oh coming out of college right. oh ACL what's going to happen here here's one here's one note contractually uh, because of the extension that they signed Todd Gurley to they can't get away from him for the next three seasons. He's locked up for 2019, 2020, and 2021. Uh, 2022, you could get out of it, but there would be a bit of a penalty. You'd have $4,200,000 in dead money, $10 million in savings. And of course, the problem is because he's the highest paid running back in the league, there's not likely to be a significant trade market because if for whatever reason Rams fans and the Rams themselves are advocating moving on, that would suggest that there's not going to be a heavy buyer's market for somebody you're willing to move on from that's getting paid that well for a position that historically over the last 10, 15 years has not gotten that. So for better or for worse, the Rams and Todd Gurley are wedded together. When they made that deal, that was a good thing. And I think it's just one of those things where whether it's recency bias or because of the importance of the postseason and the Super Bowl, I th- we got a big question mark there. And that's probably the biggest question mark of the offseason season. Maybe going into training camp, although we have to see what happens over the next couple months, it's uh, it's a little frustrating, but it is what it is, man. And, and to be fair, I mean, this is happening around the league. Maybe it's not even – look at sure. A.B. What are Steelers sure. fans feeling about you know, Antonio Brown? He didn't get hurt. He just doesn't want to be there. Anymore. How about the 49ers? And they so, got a quarterback yeah. and running back coming off of injuries. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just our team, so we're having mm-hmm. to deal with it. But it's it's nothing it's nothing new. Uh, it's 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 what we do in the off season. We we worry and we we micro we pick and we go after things. Uh, and with you know when you're paying someone the most at his position in the league, yeah, it's warranted. I'm not sure we're all cr- cr- crying that this is like over Morgan Fox and his knee injury, right? Well, no, Morgan Fox missed the entire year. Morgan's yeah, but Morgan Fox now, is the highest Morgan paid sixth away. edge rusher on the depth chart in the NFL. <laughs> Right, totally. Yeah, totally. So yeah, his his price tag warrants yeah. the worry. So I get that, and that's it's. We're gonna have. He's gonna have that over his head. He's not gonna play in the preseason just like he didn't play in the last preseason. So we're not gonna. We'll have to wait till September to see what we have a talk about. His last two games sucked, and now we've got to wait. Yay! Happy vibes. February nineteenth was the first day for clubs to designate a uh, franchise or transition players. We're into franchise tag season, which is twofold. Uh, will they tag somebody moving forward and what will they do with their tagged player? Joey, where do you want to start the tagger or the taggy? And I don't even know what that means. Do you, do you want to, do you want to deal with them tagging somebody now? Or do you want to deal with uh, LaMarcus Jordan who they tagged last year? I guess yeah, let's talk about LaMarcus Joyner first because I think that's an interesting subject because everyone's really yeah. assuming that he's just going to be gone. That, that no one's really thinking of, of of tagging him again or signing him to a long-term contract. And I think a lot of right. it is because he doesn't play very well. Not not compared to 2017. Which, you know, he, he played, yeah, he played really right. good in 2017. Now, was it contract worries that he... 
did something get in his head? Or because uh, he was he was a starting slot cornerback under Jeff Fisher. So he was good in that role. He transitioned to safety. He was pretty good in that role. And then, boy, he took a step back. So is a contract, or is it? You know, he's just not a good player now. But I, I'm with you, Joey. I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you give him. It's worth pointing out that this is why a lot of players worry about the franchise tag. Unlike Trumaine Johnson, who got tagged twice, played through it, and played very well, and got a huge, got a huge payday out of it. it. Lamarcus Joyner, yeah, Lamarcus Joyner, might have gotten a better contract after last season than he will this season, and that's the real risk. Mm -hmm. uh, Along with obviously injury, is that. Going into a franchise tag, you have this high. Obviously, anybody who's getting franchise tagged is good enough to merit it for that team. And then, if you don't play up to it, what for whatever reason, you lose that market value, and that's a tough risk for players. I think the thing that's tough with Lamarcus Joyner is, um, you know, you think about a franchise tag, you're tagging out to be the top five at his position. Is Lamarcus Joyner a top five safety in the NFL? Because if he's if he's not. Not, if he's not, not the then what you're talking about is g- giving him a significant pay cut. And if you're t- if you're coming to a guy at this point before free agency and talking about a significant pay cut, it's hard not to see how he goes to the market and says, "Okay, I want to see what I'm really worth." And that there are going to be teams that are more desperate than the Rams are to try to get a guy like that with the promise that he has based on 2017. Okay, so that's my question with Lamarcus: is that yes, he's definitely not playing like a top five guy but that means his market value has you know been lowered so there's going to be less teams that are going to be wanting want to throw big time money at him so is 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 it have the bridges been burned is that why everybody's so low on the idea of him coming back right because it's not that they can't afford him because he's not going to be getting any offers from any any other teams that would be like 2017 money for him so it's just interesting why everyone's so negative on him. I think I think it's just the competing priorities. The Rams have so many things that they need to address, and the idea that you would have to say in the 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 problem with opening a guy up to the market isn't what the average team thinks he's worth. It's essentially what the most de- what you just need one to set the highest price, and that's the thing that's difficult. Is if there's a team out there that thinks he's worth top five money, then then that's then that's his market. It it may be. It completely, it may be like Sammy Watkins, where every when Sammy Watkins signed the deal with the Kansas City Chiefs, if you go and look at national writers, if you look at local Kansas City writers, everybody said, "Yeah, this is way too much for this guy." It only takes one team to be able to set the market for somebody, and that's all that matters. Right. right. I I worry about that with Corey Littleton. Mm. Yeah, I, was I feel the like there. I think there's going to be a team out there that's going to um, think that he's more valuable than we do. And I think the Rams really think he's valuable and they want to sign him. But if the, you know, the Buffalo Bills offer him some top five contract or whoever, you know, it it could get kind of a bummer because um, this guy has been a fantastic contributor to the defense this year. And I think he's been an undercover hero in a lot of aspects of, of the way that defense was playing, especially towards the end of the season. And I don't think Corey Littleton should be franchise tag level, but I also worry that he played a little bit above his market value towards this season. And I think I wonder if the Rams were really prepared prepared for that, or they're like, "Oh, dude, we're gonna." Pay yeah, what's guy. interesting is he's a restricted free agent, so 
unlike unrestricted free agents, which is like a you can go all in on guys, just whatever you're willing to pay them. Restricted free agency requires you to place a, place a tender on the guy. So the the highest that they could tender him would be a first round tender, which we'll have to see what the numbers are. I think it's going to be the same, which is about two two nine two point nine million dollars uh, would be a salary, but a team could come in and and, and give him an offer that would be a higher salary and the Rams would have to match that if they want to keep it. If they don't choose to do that, then they would receive that first round pick. That's the difference on the tender. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. Would you, would you put a first round tender on him? I wouldn't be opposed. It seems cheap compared to like Mark Barron, right? I wouldn't be. And you recoup a first. So yeah, I wouldn't be. He'll he'll make more of that in in this contract, but that doesn't sound like a bad deal for, yeah, the biggest. I, I I meant to write it by now, and I'm I've kind of been delaying it until after the combine, but maybe I'll write it this week. Is the 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 biggest challenge for the Rams in free agency this year with their own free agents isn't the top guys. It's not Lamarcus Joyner and Indomik and Sue and Roger Saffold specifically those three. What it really is is they've got so many role players. In, in, in it's it's not the individual quality, it's the totality of it and the quantity that they're going to have to deal with. You've got, just on the outside, you've got Dominique Easley, Dante Fowler Jr., and Matt Longacre, uh, along with Morgan Fox. On the inside, you've got Bryce Hager and Rameek Wilson. Remember, Bryce Hager was the, the number one special teams contributor in terms of snaps. You've got Sean Mannion, who's a backup quarterback. So don't even think about it as in terms of Sean Mannion, because obviously when Rams fans think about it, they're like, yeah, I can move on. You're talking about backup quarterback. Backup quarterbacks are extremely expensive if you want to pay market value for a guy. Um, you've got cornerback depth in Sam Shields, but especially Troy Hill. Troy Hill filled in for Kayvon Webster last year down the stretch into the playoffs. Troy Hill filled in for Aqib Tlaib for, what, eight games this year? That that's not the kind of guy that just exists on exists on your depth chart. That's a position that's gotten a ton of play over the last two years. So it's it's not so much just that the Rams, uh, you know, have these big name guys and Indomitian Sue, Roger Saffold, and maybe to a lesser degree Lamarcus Joyner that they need to address. They can do that. They've got draft picks. They've got some money they can spend in free agency. The problem is if you start saying if you got say yeah we got to bring back Dante Fowler, we got to bring back Corey Littleton, we got to bring back Bryce Hager, we got to bring back. Uh, you know, Troy Hill, you start racking up these smaller contracts, even though the Rams have almost $30 million in, in salary cap, that money starts to disappear real quick when you start stacking up some of these smaller contracts. On Yeah. And it's, it, it kind of comes down to the agents and especially like a guy like Bryce Hager, you know, you know, he's not getting huge money, but he's going to want yeah. more money than he got last time. And uh, so, yeah, I think the front office is going to have a challenge because you're right, man, the depth is, Going to be a really big um, storyline this offseason, guys. Depth that plays. That's uh, that, That's the thing that's key here. It's not just depth that's on the roster. This is depth that plays a lot of football. So if you move on from Bryce Hager, you've got to get somebody yeah. who can, A, offer you the kind of expertise he has as a defender, but then you got to give John Fossil somebody to replace, not necessarily to replace his top special teams guy because you know you can't give him a guy that's going to get the most snaps. That'll probably be somebody else that's already on the roster. But you got to give him a core contributor. If, if, if you get if you give it away from Troy Hill, you got to – Wade Phillips is going to say, okay, well, now you have to give me a cornerback. I, I, can, I can work with the guys that we already have, but I don't know that you want to promote guys that you that you have on the roster to fill in for Troy Hill, given the way people already feel about Troy Hill. Think about the people that he beat out for that job, for the third cornerback role. You you can move on from a with Dominic Easley, Dante Fowler, Ethan Westbrooks, 
Morgan Fox. If if you want to get, bring in a new edge, that's fine. But the whole reason they brought Dante Fowler Jr. over in the first place was that Samson Abukam and Matt Longacre weren't cutting it. So that there's there's a lot of risks in terms of what they got with all these free agents, uh, and that's a little bit different. And that's maybe what makes the franchise tag interesting is. It, it, it seems like the one contender, and Eli wrote it for the site, uh, was that it might be Dante Fowler Jr. What do you guys think about using the tag on Dante Fowler? Can we just sign That's him? That's a lot of dough. We can, yeah. There's no reason we couldn't. You can. But, but the same thing with LaMarcus Joyner or Trumaine Johnson. Yeah, or so it, is his representation just asking for just too much money and for what we're willing to pay for a long-term contract? Like he wants too many years or he wants too much guaranteed money? Yeah. Is 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 that when the franchise tag becomes more desirable? That is because well, he's he's a it's, he's what it, he's a twenty five year old guy, right? So this yeah. is his this is a make money contract. In right. It's it's just it's just his. It's yeah. it's when you it's two things. It's when you don't have a team and representation seeing eye to eye on the terms of contract, but also what the tag allows you to do. And this was clearly the case with Trumaine Johnson. Because of what we did with Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib, we'll have to see how it works with LaMarcus Joyner is it allows you to delay replacing a guy for a year. So so that if, if when we were losing Trumaine Johnson, they, the Les Snead might have looked at the roster and said, look, I got to go get offensive linemen. I got to get wide receivers. I can't afford to also lose a cornerback and have to fill that in now. So with the safety last year, he might have been looking at this saying, look, I've made all these trades for the cornerbacks. I don't have any any top draft picks. I can't afford to lose Lamarcus Joyner right now because I don't have any capital to get a safety. It may, it may be one of those things if they do tag Dante Fowler that they look at it and say, "Look, I'm losing Indomitian Sue. I'm losing, uh, you know, maybe one of these other offensive linemen. I've got to spend all this capital in terms of limited money and free agency and whatever I've got in the draft to fill in. I can't afford to also lose an edge rusher." Because that gives me one more position that I got to fill. If I tag him this year, I can deal with it next year when I'll have more capital to deal with that position. But is the but intention that they're not going to? How many? How often do they sign a guy to a long term contract? Infrequently. Franchise, right? So it just feels like you're just yeah. delaying this the sort of exactly. um, departure. That's it. That, yeah, for sure. But, but I want Dante Fowler Jr. to be a part of our future, guys. Sorry, his tag I mean, is what fourteen million. Oh, edge would be expensive because that's a right. It's, yeah. it's fourteen, fifteen million dollars, and so if right now they're at thirty nine. That's 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 a lot of dough at a thirty million. Like you have a lot, like you said, that's oh, a, right. a lot to replace. You know, Rabba, mm. I forgot. I forgot that we were all part of the cult of Agbania Okoronko, <laughs> and he's going to be our savior, right. and and he's Obanaya. going to be the future. And he's going to be a sack machine. So we just got to wait for him to, 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 to turn it on. And so now you're expecting Obanaya Okoronkro. You're expecting Micah Kaiser to fill in for Mark Barron after you cut him to save money. You're going to expect Joe Noteboom to come in for for Whitworth, who is going to retire. Um, who else? Allen is going to come in because Sullivan's going to retire. All these guys who you know didn't play and was voted the worst draft class of the year, all of a sudden they're going to come in and, and fill in at all pro levels? Mm. Yeah. The, the grass is always greener, so I get why people feel comfortable with the idea, the concept of promoting up the roster when you've got young talents that haven't played a lot. The problem is young talents that haven't played a lot don't always pan out, and that's just uh, 
That's the risk. That's the risk. It did with Corey Littles. It did with Corey Littles. Right? It did with Austin Corey Blythe. Was around it did with Austin Blythe. It did, it yeah, did with so Ronnie McLeod. It, it can happen. Yeah, it can happen. The thing is, they all don't They all don't happen. Not all so, of them work. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. What you got, Joey? So my take, on, my take on Fowler Jr. is that he was a guy that – Jacksonville kind of felt at some some point of like, hey, we didn't hit with this number three overall draft pick, and we're going to trade him, get whatever value, but definitely didn't get, you know, third pick sure. value. And he was the, he was outplayed but, by Yannick Ngoku. Right, but when he played with the but when he played with the so the, the Jaguars had a pretty strong depth chart at the end, way stronger than what we had. So they yeah. were in a position where they could move on and get a third round and a fifth round pick and feel pretty comfortable about it. And I also, Joey, I think did he did he play better with his limited six game run or so with the Rams than he did in his Maybe. entire Jag career? I, Maybe. I might say he did. Maybe. He, towards the end, he was good. He played the run and pass equally as well. So I, I get the intrigue with him. And, uh, and that's the thing. So, so you have a guy that yeah. fits in your system. You got him. And he's only 25. Un- you, you, you got him uh, under his, his, his true value. So you got a little bit of a, of a deal. And now we're, we're sitting in a situation where we're just going to be basically paying a bunch of money to have him for only one season. I, I just think that that's not the smartest play right. here. I think if you got a guy that you got on a, a good bargain, that you should be smart about it and be like, hey, this could be a future edge rusher. He's twenty five years old, and he could be part. He could be part of our um, rush attack. And I don't know, man. I, I don't think I, I don't think we should franchise tag him. I think we should um, sign him to a three year contract. I would not be opposed to them doing just that. I, I would not hate that if they if they linked him. I, I liked. I thought he. I was surprised to see how how well he played the run. He was he was good. He that Saints game, that guy. I mean, besides the the hit on Breeze that caused the interception, he he played his ass off. He was good. He was equally as good in the Super Bowl. He was very. I good. think part of the problem with Dante Fowler Jr. whether it's because of his his draft status or because the the Rams are looking for somebody to step up at that position is, I think the expectations are a little unfair. Where, where people wanted him to just be this boss that he, the thing is he doesn't have to be. You don't have to have pro bowlers at every position. You can have guys that just kind of do their job adequately, right, and, and, and that aren't going to be superstars. And that might be Dante Fowler Jr., and I don't think that's a bad thing, and especially as long as you, you can get a guy that, that you can pay like that. I, I don't know why that wouldn't be something that they shouldn't do because the, the thing to remember this year is what what, we, what I was just talking about with the, with all the free agents, the role players that they have to sign, you're not going to be able to get a bunch of top guys. The Rams can't go out and get like Demarcus Lawrence or any of the top right. free agents. They, if you get even if you get just one, especially at a premium position, if you go out and get a top free agent, you're not going to be able to sign all your role players. They're, they're, you can't afford all those guys. Um, they just don't you're have, get more Sam Shields. You're going to be you're going to have to get a bunch of Sam Shields. You're going to have to get a bunch of uh, Cody Sensabaws. You're going to have to get a bunch of guys yeah. just to fill yeah. out your roster because they're not in position to get those. Guys. The the other problem is, and this is one that I also need to write out is, and this kind of leads into the draft strategy and to a degree free agency is because the Rams have had all these trades where. That the trade for Jared Goff, they traded four picks essentially for Jared Goff. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but it, it was essentially the idea that they traded away four guys for one. 
Uh, Sammy Watkins, they traded away a draft pick for one year of a guy when the draft pick would have given them four years. Uh, uh, Marcus Peters traded two picks. Uh, Akeem Talib traded two picks. And now Dante Fowler traded two picks. They've traded guys. If, if, if You shouldn't just look at the roster in terms of, okay, here's what it is now for 2019. Think of it in terms of a timeline. They've got this gap now where they should have had a bunch more players on these these rookie contracts instead of just having two or three guys that are expiring where Sammy Watkins came and played and left. Dante Fowler came and played and might leave. Akib Talib is, you know, playing and he'll be almost certainly gone after next year. They've got this gap in the roster timeline where they were supposed to have some young guys like like an Obanaya Okoronkwo that they could push up into all these other role player positions that they don't have. And because those trades are still impacting what they have going into this year, not having a second round pick, having to give the third round to the Jacksonville Jaguars, you just don't have a, a ton of opportunity to be able to fill in those gaps right now. And that's going to put a premium on making some tough decisions. And that's why we mentioned last week that they have to hit pretty, on this. Pretty draft. much have to. They can't, they can't screw this one up because uh, in a couple of years, you're going to have a void that's, that's huge. So, yeah, they, they pretty much they need to be. They need to be good at, in, in the draft this year. One, one other way to think about this, when we get, as of right now, we're on the hook for the 94th pick to go to Jacksonville, but we'll get that back when we get compensatory picks, which should, I think that should happen later this week. Um, when we get that back, we'll hold the 94th pick uh, in the draft. That'll be in the third round before compensatory picks. Obviously, we also have the 31st overall pick, which means we have one pick in the top 93 selections in the entire draft. That's just not a ton of capital be able to fill in the starting roles, whereas Oakland, for example, has four, has four picks in the top back. 35. Trade and I think you're right, Joey. That's probably going to be the most sensible thing is to find a way to trade back from 31 because more than anything, you might need quantity as much as quality this year. Yeah, and we don't have a second-round pick, right, as you mentioned. So, yep. yeah, I mean, if, could you get two second-round picks for a first-round pick, or is that crazy talk? You'd have to throw in something else with the first. You could throw in a day three pick with the first rounder. No, not not at thirty one. I mean, if you traded a, right. a, a top ten pick, that's that's a different story. But at yeah. thirty one, you're probably looking a second and a late third or a fourth, right? Right. So if if you pack, but if you draft, if you package your your thirty first pick with like a fifth rounder or a fourth rounder, you could get two seconds. All right, guys, let, let's um, let's light the candles and start talking some mock drafts. Oh, juicy! Look at that! Oh, Look at that twist of fate! Look at you! I mean. Okay, first round pick. Are you uh, how how much of your day, Joe, are you thinking about who we should get with our first round draft pick? I, I do usually two runs at mocks per day. Um, the 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 problem is because I'm not very picky. Is ninety five percent of mocks I see them and I see the Rams and I go, yeah, that's fine. I see this guy and I say, yeah, that's fine. I think I think maybe the most interesting one was the one from mocking the draft this week. My friend Dan Kadar over at MTD that had us taken Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. One of the best talents in the draft. If he were healthy, he'd probably be a top 12 pick. But he just tore his ACL working out last week. Uh, what what do you guys think? Would you be comfortable for everything we just talked about, Robbo, about having to hit in the draft, not having a ton of capital, needing to make the most out of this, would you feel comfortable about taking a guy that might not be able to play in 2019 the same way we just took Joseph Noteboom, Brian Allen that didn't play, albeit this would be with the 31st overall pick in the draft? Ooh, well, 
would I be comfortable if it's like a, a Simmons who is who is you know thought of as a top fifteen pick and he slides to you because of an injury and you might get him back for the playoffs, but they won't they won't activate him. So yeah, you won't see him until twenty twenty. Uh, he'll be there at the stadium at the new stadium. Um, I wouldn't hate it because at the end of the day, you need you need top talent, um, and it doesn't really matter how you get top talent. You need you need players, and so uh, when we talked about all these guys come off expiring contracts, there's gonna be a, an age gap and a talent gap, whatever. Something like that would be nice to pair with Aaron Donald yeah. for a number of years moving yeah, forward. Yeah. So if it means you have to wait a year for it, yeah, I'm okay with that. But again, they have to hit him right. his pick. So I don't care if they if they do that, they have to make sure he hits. You can't wait a year and then have I him get... suck or not work sure. out or whatever. You just you have to make sure that he is exactly what he as as advertised. And how likely is that? How many how many first round picks right. flame out? Sure. Half? Sixty five percent? It's it's not an exact science. So yeah, it's a risk, but I I would not have a problem with them doing that because it's 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 a smart thing. Um, didn't Eagles just do that with uh, sure. with Jones, cornerback yep. out of Washington a couple years ago? Now they didn't use a first on him. I think they took a late second, early third on him, whatever. But he had the same thing right here: late injury, first round talent, slides way back. They grabbed him. Um, he struggled a little bit this year, but you know they were decimated the injury, so. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I really wouldn't. Here's a way to think about. I I'm excited oh, about. Another I was just going to mention this, Joey, before you get your pick. Is here's a way to think about Jeffrey Simmons and kind of the roster timeline that I'm talking about. You know who Jeffrey Simmons would be a replacement for? Would be Michael Brockers. Michael Brockers is going into a contract year this year. Yeah. So yeah. you would have Jeffrey Simmons rehabbing his ACL. Michael Brockers in his final year in his contract. Michael Brockers would hit free agency a year from now, and you'd have Jeffrey Simmons coming back healthy for 2020. What do you got, Joey? I like Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech, an edge rusher, because you know he's going to be undervalued, knocked down on drafts because he he got an a uh, an altercation at a McDonald's his freshman year football, of college, that's right. and that's the big before he even started God, football. How goofy is that? How I mean, a freshman year it's he got like charged he with assault. It was a uh, honest wasn't, police it was record. A, it was a fight, right? It wasn't like a. It was just kids punching over some fries. It was yeah. a dude. He got in a fight with a dude at McDonald's. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Tyler Higby got away with it. He did. Although he slipped as well, right? Was he thought of as a first-run talent, Joe, when he came out? Did he slip? No. Uh, Tyler no, Higby? No. no, no, no. Not that highly. When he was drafted? Was he drafted where he was supposed to be? Did he slide because a of little bit altercation? I, I would, I'd take a slide. I'd accept the idea that he slid a little bit because of it. I don't. I don't think the NFL is really taking like one guy punching another guy at a bar as being the sort of like deal breaker. Right. If but, anything, they want details like how how good was the punch? Did it land? Did yeah, exactly. Okay. Frank Clark did was you, a first round draft pick. Did, did you fracture a you fracture a knuckle? What kind of combo? What kind of combination did you throw? So you weren't committed. <laughs> We're moving on. What kind of combination? <laughs> I mean, honestly. Frank Clark was a first-round draft pick, and he had a, a domestic assault sure, charge yeah. against him. Jeffrey, so but, but it just depends on Jeffrey Simmons had a video before, again before he got to campus where he was punching a woman that was on the ground, and they had to deal with that before he he got suspended quite uh, less than he should have by Mississippi State. But Simmons was a much higher the, recruit than Ferguson was going to Louisiana. Who's the Bengals running back from Oklahoma State? Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon out of Oklahoma. Joe Mixon. Another one. What you got, Joe? Louisiana Tech. How many games this season would you say that you've seen 
watching he that. saw everyone. Well, there's one that I would like to forget. Oh, man. That was he saw eight. one in person. September 29th. That was a disgusting football game. Um, I saw four <laughs> games this year from Louisiana Tech. I saw the LSU game. That was in week three. No, week four. Uh, North Texas the next week. That was a very sad game that we can all forget. Uh, Mississippi State. That one was in November. That was a really good game for Mississippi State, but they were playing some of their best football by that point. That was in that was either late October, early November, and then they played in the Hawaii Bowl against Hawaii and beat them. That's a t- that's a tough bowl matchup to have to go to Hawaii and play Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl, uh, yeah. and they played pretty well. One thing to remember about Jalen Ferguson is he just had a stupid career that finished on a tear. He had 17 and a half sacks this year. He's the sack record holder, not in terms of the entire NCAA. There's a, I forget who, there was a kid at Slippery Rock that has more sacks in his career, but he had 45 sacks in his career. He had 17 and a half sacks this year. He's one of those guys that would have been really interesting to see how he would have tested because of the fight at the McDonald's. He won't be at the combine, but uh, he's an interesting prospect, no doubt. And obviously what the Rams need at the edge, depending on what they do in free agency before we get to the draft. Jalen Ferguson's going to be a guy that's going to get some attention for sure. I was watching some tape, and, and I, maybe he he won't be able to go. He, he might might be drafted earlier. He could, certainly. Who knows? Instead of Jeffrey Simmons, what about Dexter Lawrence? Dexter Lawrence Same would be fantastic. Guy, right? Big inside tackle. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw the story. <laughs> if you guys saw the story about uh, uh, Clemson. So Dexter Lawrence got suspended uh, for the playoffs this year for performance enhancing drugs and Clemson came out afterwards and just kind of gave a oops. Yeah. We might've put it in his lemonade. Sorry. Whoopsie. What? <laughs> that's how, that's how he got to be huge. He's like, like a giant man, right? Oops. He's like six, four something, 488, seven pounds. I don't know. He's a giant dude. He's no, he's, he's a small. he's a fantastic talent. That entire defensive line with Cleveland Farrell and Christian Wilkins—they're absolutely incredible. But uh, easily the my favorite story uh, coming out of the post uh, college football season wake of everything that was going on was one of those. Yeah, um, oops, we didn't mean to. Here's Dable Swinney. Uh, this is the story about asked if if Clemson accidentally provided the players something they thought were okay, but contained the chemical Osterine. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a chance that it could come from anything. Uh, they're going to test everything, look at everything. That's the problem. If you look at this stuff, it could be a contaminant that came from anything, something that was clearly not a problem, and all of a sudden it becomes there was something. Coach, that's word salad. What the hell did you give him? What did you put in his omelet? Come on, coach. Mm, word salad. Mm, yums. What 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 are we putting on this omelet today, Coach? Go ahead, go put a little feta on there. We got a little hot sauce and we got a little Demadrine. What's Demadrine? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You won't even taste it. Go ahead, put Don't that worry in. about it. <laughs> exactly. So good. Um, yeah. So I, we're we're gonna get heavy on mocks. Obviously, we got the combine coming up, so we're gonna get some more names coming up. The thing about the mocks is this is a weird because the, the Rams are all the way back at thirty one. There's so much you could do, and because you know. You're talking about any any position on the defense could be addressed. Anything on the offensive line could be addressed. We've seen a couple mocks where the Rams take a tight end. There's there's not a lot that the Rams can't do at 31.
I had the run sheet up before my internet died, so I could still read it. Oh, that's good. Ooh, that, that's that, was, that was my story. I was reading the run sheet in Target. There I was. <laughs> reading <laughs> the run sheet. Breaking the law. Breaking with, the law. With a jug full of CLR in my hand. I got to my truck, and I was like, man, why didn't I get a bag? That's weird. How... I've never done that. I've never not gotten a bag. And I just realized I just walked the fuck out. I just walked straight out to the truck, reading Joey's and run sheet. Nobody stopped you because you were nobody stopped like a me. Boss. The, nobody like, stopped oh, yeah. me. The little, the little, what's the little thing? The little. What sound does it make when you shoplift? In my head, it makes a very different sound that I'm sure it makes. In it, every- well, the problem is, it kind of sounds like all the other types of beeps that happen at a grocery store. So it's just like a beep boop boop or a beep 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 beep. And so you're like, it could be a forklift going backwards down the cereal aisle or somebody stole, you know, 